Good morning. It's good to see the seven of you that are left after all the kids went out. As Eric mentioned, uh, Chris and I are going to kind of tag team this, and so I want to get right into it. Um, I, I do, for a moment, want to speak to you from a moment of, of vulnerability. Um, it's been a week. Anybody else had a week? And uh, I'm a little bit of a mess these days, and God has really been speaking to me about a lot of things. And I went to bed last night thinking that he was telling me the message that you had spent time preparing. I've got something different. Now, I, I w prayed through that a lot. Um, but I just want to let you know if I seem a little bit frazzled at moments, it's because I'm trying to talk and also listen because I want to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Um, my wife can probably tell you that I do a great job of talking without listening, um, but I'm going to try to switch that up a little bit today. So, um, so Chris and I are starting a men's group. Anytime you start something new, start something out, um, a lot of people might say, why? Why are we doing this? And Chris and I need to be able to answer that question to ourselves. Why are we doing this? Uh, we as men, we have a role, as Eric mentioned, that uh, Scripture tells us, um, gives us some things that we need to abide by. Uh, Ephesians 5.23 says, For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. Now, let's be honest, guys. We, we do the head of pretty well because we think of a head of a company they're the boss I can be the boss I can be in control I can be a disciplinarian I can do the 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 strength things that don't involve emotion and vulnerability um, a lot of us probably do that pretty well leave the emotion and vulnerability stuff to to the ladies men we're gonna be strong we're gonna be in control um, we're, we're going to lead by what we know, sometimes in our own growing up, sometimes within the workplace, of, but from a managerial boss kind of point of view. That's not what this scripture is saying. Um, it's not control. It's not preference. It's not favoritism or special authority. Headship is responsibility. It's responsibility given by God to man. Our job as the head of the household is to answer to God for how we disciple our families. That's the same root word as discipline, but they are vastly different in their meanings. So if you're like me, that, that might seem a little bit more scary. How do I disciple my family? How, how am I the spiritual head of my family? Um, I'm listening. <laughs> so for us to be able to do that, um, first we need to connect with God. We, we need to find where our place is with God, where our relationship is with God. And some of us might have a hard time doing that. Again, men, we, we work from strength, and we th I've, I've got it. I've got it under control. I can do it myself. But we need to find our place with God in all that. And a, a great way to help us do that is to come alongside other men 
that are going through the same things. Some may be a step further than we are. Some may be a step behind us. But if we can lean on one another and rely on one another, that, that's all hands on deck. That's how we come together to approach these things. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. That's, that's what we're talking about, encouraging one another. Um, and Chris is going to address some of that, you know, how we can do that a little bit more. Um, it, it's kind of interesting that I'm, I'm speaking today in the middle of November. Um, last week, some of you may know, may not, um, last week was National Orphan Sunday. Um, it was a time where a lot of organizations, churches, they, they focused on bringing about orphan awareness um, and, and the needs that are out there. And I've spoken on that day at various times over the years. And it gives me an opportunity to talk about our adoption journey and to talk about Elijah's journey. Now, with our adoption journey, we went into it um, excited, willing, ready to go. God's leading us. This is what we're doing. Elijah didn't have that opportunity. He had to trust that what he was being thrust into was going to be good. He didn't seek us out and apply and everything. We took him out of everything he knew, and he had to believe that it was going to be okay. And that's overwhelming for me to think about. But when I did some research as we were going into this, and I saw the statistics for kids without families, particularly in his country, but it's not, the United States is not immune to it. The figures were staggering of the number that were destined for drugs, alcohol, crime, incarceration, or worse. And we see that here in America as well. Kids without families, and particularly in the research that I've always done, it's without an apparent father figure active in the home. It, it brings out a lot of different changes. Now for Elijah, hopefully things worked out well. Um, you know, we have a loving family, and I, I'm not perfect, but I like to think that I'm an involved father. And, and so what, what are some of the things you see in families when fathers are active? when they're emotionally involved with their kids. So children with involved fathers have a strong foundation and are at a lower risk of emotional and behavior problems, of neglect and abuse, a lower risk of poor school performance, a lower risk of teen pregnancy, a lower risk of obesity. They have structure in their lives and, and they, you know, that, that includes with, with meals on a regular basis. You, you know, they're not totally immune to it, but there's lower risks. Um, and fathers that can become involved, what are some things that help us to become involved, that can predict our involvement? Well, being satisfied in our marriage. 
partners that support one another in their involvements help to breed fathers that are more involved. They're comfortable in their involvement. Friends and family that support that involvement. It makes a huge difference when fathers recognize that being a dad is vital to our identity. Now, let me, let me back up for just a second. Right now, and, and most of my message here and a lot of what Chris is going to be saying, we're, we're talking about husbands, fathers, head of the household. That does not exclude you young people or anyone that's, that's not a, a husband or a father right now or not yet. Okay? Learn these things now. Find a community that you can lean on and support one another now so that you are, are miles ahead of some of the rest of us when that time does come that it's, that it's vitally important for you. So um, I, as, as I'm thinking through this, we, you know, we, didn't send a, uh, we didn't send around a sign-up sheet for the, for the men's group. And while I'm thinking about it here real quick, I will be out there after service. You can come see me to sign up. Um, Tom, I'll be out at the table thingy. So, um, but you, we, we see our kids with lower risk of, of these kind of problems when dads are involved. But what else do we see? What, what else is good for dads, you know, or, or being involved dads, what is it good for? It's good for us as dads. When we're involved with our families, when we're involved with our kids, involved dads are happier. We have better physical and mental health. We live longer, less depression. We have an increased self-esteem. We're more active. We tend to have a healthier model of masculinity. And that's masculinity as in that responsibility that I was talking about earlier, not necessarily masculinity as being, you know, just showing strength. Um, we find that uh, we're more stable in our jobs. We do a good job of managing money and earning wealth. And being an active dad just helps to strengthen the family. And I've, I've hit some things here that are, that are very good for our kids, good for our families. Like I mentioned, hopefully it's been good things for Elijah instead of what too many like him have been destined for. But unfortunately, there is also a flip side of that information. So what happens, and in this case sons, what happens with sons of fathers that are detached. And I'm not talking about fathers that are not in the home, you know, single mother homes or anything like that. I'm talking about dads that are physically there and emotionally detached. And as I think if we think about it, even if we do a great job, we go through seasons of time where we are not as involved as we want to be we're not as involved as we should be. And so he here are some of the things with sons in particular right now. Um, sons are stuck in a perpetual state of adolescence. 
if they don't have a dad that's modeling for them what it's like to be an involved dad, they, they just, they don't grow up sometimes. Okay, now, what I'm listing here, these are things that research has shown. It's kind of a conglomerate from uh, psychology, Journal of Psychology, uh, Washington Post, even some doctoral dissertations that have been put together. This is what research is showing that kids are more at risk of these things when dads are not involved. So they more at risk for a capacity their capacity for self-esteem, self-worth, and intimacy is severely affected. Um, sons feel the need to hide feelings from others. They become more idle, have anger issues. They develop anxiety, depression, greater risk-taking behaviors. They, they, don't, they don't feel that structure in their lives as much. They have a sense of unworthiness, they find themselves pursuing perfectionism. Their thought is that if I'm not perfect, then I'm not enough. And then also with daughters, fathers that are not emotionally involved with the lives of their daughters, the daughters have more likelihood of having difficulty in forming lasting relationships with men. They're not as trusting of other men. They experience sexual prematurity and a higher sexual activity. They have a constant state of needing attention. Sometimes as teenagers, they don't want any attention. But in general, have a constant state of needing attention. They experience a declining mental health. Sometimes they overcompensate for the lack of involvement that they're seeing. They overcompensate through alcohol or drugs or work. They repress their true self. They have difficulty in sharing emotions. They have trust issues. Uh, they might live a life of envy, anger, and sadness. Get caught up in self-blame or have poor academic performance and career outcomes. I say all this, and, and I realize it seems a bit extreme to a lot of us. And uh, I am not saying that all of our children are destined to all of these things if we are not walking in what God has for us. I am saying that if we are absent, if we are not involved with our kids, with our families, with our wives, there is a greater risk of these things possibly coming out than there is um, when we are involved, when we are active. We don't have to, we don't have to hit, it out, hit the ball out of the park every single day. But here's, these are some examples of things that can happen when we don't even step to the plate. Now, each of us has the power to live in our godly appointments as the heads of our household. It has to start off with us finding that godly connection. We need to find our identity in God. And that's what Chris is going to speak about here just shortly. Um, it can be hard to do that. Some of us, we, we push God away and we don't know why. 
Some of us long for that connection with God, but we don't know how to do it. We've tried it before, and we lose focus. All hands on deck, guys. Let's come around one another. Let's support one another in that. Remember I said earlier, encourage one another. And so I've kind of laid out some things that hopefully show a need for us to be involved and for us to stand by one another. Um, Chris is going to come up here and kind of share his story and maybe a little bit of the how to my why. Um, while he's coming up, Hudson, if you can play the, the video while we go into this. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. When mom comes to faith in Jesus Christ, there is a 17% chance that their kids will also become followers of Jesus. However, if a dad comes to follow Jesus, there's a 93% chance his family will follow. Dads have a huge impact. And we need men in our society to step up as dads. So dads, listen to my voice. Raise your kids. Train them to know Jesus. You should be the first one leading your family in prayer, praying with your kids at night. You should be praying yourself. You should be reading your Bible. You should be the one leading the family to church. If you can get them to the game, if you can get them to ski gear and get them up on the mountain that takes three hours and you're finally on the... If you can do that on a Sunday morning, you can get them to church. Guys, there's a 0.0296% chance your child will be a professional athlete. And I've seen some of your kids, they ain't going to do it, okay? There's a 100% chance they'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And you too will give an account for having parents them. Amen. Amen. Everybody hear me okay? All right. Good morning, New Covenant. Um, I pretty much know everybody, but for those of you that haven't met me yet, I'm Chris Hansen. I'm the husband to the much more well-known Shelly Hansen. Of course, my beautiful wife. Um, she cheers me on, so I love her support and everything she does. Um, this message is for everyone. Um, I'm directing my conversation towards the men. Um, but the statistics that Tony just shared are a very daunting task for us to overcome. Would you agree? Uh, don't tune out if you're not a father. Um, the message today is about God our Father, and the desire to be for Him to be in a relationship with us. Um, I can guarantee you from my own experience that we cannot change this on our own. Our success rate increases 100-fold when Jesus is at the heart of it. My personal experience has greatly challenged me over the past 22 years. I've allowed myself to be distracted. I've given my attention to inferior pleasures. I was unable to connect with God as my father. Now, one thing I, I actually wanted to address the youth, and maybe they can go back and listen to this. Um, Okay, sorry about that. I guess I should have started with that. Colossians 2 and 8. Ah, there we go. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from spiritual powers of this world rather than Christ. I think it's very important to note that everything is trying to get our attention these days, right? 
I struggled to hear his voice, and these struggles were hindering my growth and the pursuit of my destiny in him. I carried a lot of deep emotional wounds. And I endured and witnessed some horrific moments in my life. I was left with an overwhelming aftermath of painful trauma. Let me tell you, when you you experience trauma, it does something to you. It changes you. When I look back at my life, the Lord showed me I was living my life in an operating system of my own creation. Through the trauma I had experienced at a young age, I had built a matrix, if you guys know the movie The Matrix, I built a matrix to keep myself safe. Now I'm going to get vulnerable and I'm going to share two events that happened in my life with completely different outcomes. The first defining moment in my life happened when I was sexually molested by a man. I was nine years old when this happened. In these moments, I decided that no one in my life was safe and no one was trustworthy. This became the matrix that I lived the next 30 years of my life from. Other traumas later in life as well just kind of reinforced or upgraded that system. The second defining moment happened around 2010. Shell and I were having a marriage breakdown. (laughs) Nobody's ever had a marriage breakdown in here, have they? (laughs) She insisted that we have an intervention with Yours truly, Pastor Tom. In the meeting, (laughs) she repeatedly told Tom about how my actions affected her and how she felt unloved. Well, in my mind, you know, I'm thinking, I love really well. You know, what's she talking about? So in an attempt to empathize with Shelly, Tom said something that would wreck me and change the course of my life. He said, Chris's love is a mile wide, but it's only an inch deep. And when I heard those words, I was crushed. I mean, it was, it was rough. It felt like somebody ran a dagger through my heart. It was really awful. It was so painful to hear, it brought me to tears but I knew it was true. And I really had a lot of respect for Tom's opinion. This was a hard pill for me to swallow, and it was very mentally sobering to me. I began to realize that the impact that this had on my family and on my friends. At that point, I began to embark on a journey Oh, I'm sorry, let me back up a little bit. I began to realize that the impact of this shallow love had on my family, and it caused me to embark on a journey to figure out how to love as the Father loves. Just something we all need to do. I began to slowly unravel the matrix that had been created through emotional healing, through trials, and through a closeness with the Father. 
And it began to bring this scripture to life in my life, to a reality in my life. Proverbs 3, 5 through 12. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one that will keep you on track. Don't assume that you know it all. Run to God. Run from evil. Your body will glow with health. Your very bones will vibrate with life. Honor God with everything you own. Give him the first and the best. Your barns will burst. Your wine vats will brim over. But don't, dear friend, resent God's discipline. Don't soak under his loving correction. It's the child he loves that God corrects. A father's delight is behind all this. Pretty powerful, right? Hebrews 12:11 as well. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. We've heard this a hundred thousand times in this church, and it's it's in me. <laughs> but afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those that are trained in this way. All right, now let me be clear here. I have by no means arrived, <laughs> but I am definitely still maturing like we all are. I shared all this to everyone to say that we have hope. So li- listen as I declare our hope in the Lord. Psalms 18.2, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. My shield and my horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Amen. Jeremiah 29.11, for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Now, brothers and sisters, yes, we have hope, right? We have a Father who hears us, a Father that loves us, a a good Father, the best Father. There is a daily invitation for for us to connect with our Heavenly Father every day that we open our eyes. From the moment we open our eyes in the morning, he desperately wants his kids to connect with him, to spend time with him, to grow in him, to honor him, and to love him. Everything in this world outside of God is competing for our attention. None of it compares to our Heavenly Father. We're at a precipice right now. The Lord is calling every man and woman to stand up and pursue their destiny in Him. Amen? There are three ways, I believe, in which the Lord wants us to grow. Relationship, connection, and identity. God shared this with me through um, Mark 12. 31 or 30 and 31. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. I mean, we need to take heed when the when Jesus himself says no other greater commandment than these. So the first one is relationship. Love the Lord as Father. 
one incredibly profound revelation with ultimate importance that we as men share is an incredible blessing of being called Father with our Heavenly Father. Isn't that an extraordinary truth? We share the same title as our Heavenly Father. One of the main purposes that Christ fulfilled dying on the cross was to restore our relationship back to the Father. Isaiah 64 and 7 says, Yet, Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay. You are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. The second is connection. Love people as brothers and sisters. We are called the body of Christ for a reason, right? A body is connected. A body that works together is a healthy body that loves one another. In love, we function at optimal capacity, allowing us to love our enemies. We're told this time and time again in Scripture. Romans 13, 8, Owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of the law. Galatians 5, 13 through 14. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Amen to that? All right. Third is our identity. Love yourself as a son of the Most High. There seems to be an identity crisis in the church. And I think Tom was touching a little bit on it with what he shared earlier this morning and talking about the humility we need to know who we are. God is truly calling us to man up and woman up <laughs> into what he's destined for us. In order to embrace our destiny in the Father, we must know who we are. We are sons and daughters of the Most High King. Amen? Amen. Not only a king, but a father. One who wants us to know that we are his children and he is a good father that we can depend on. First John 3, 1 John 3.1. Oh, can you guys back that up for me? I'm not sure how to back up here. There we go. First John 3.1. Look with wonder at the depth of the father's marvelous love that he has lavished on us. Oh, doesn't that sound amazing? He has called us and made us his very own beloved children. Thank you, Jesus. Embracing who you are is the first step in becoming the best version of you. The best version of, best version of you affects every single facet of your life. Just as dough, or I'm sorry, just as yeast permeates dough in bread, in unleavened bread, in leavened bread, sorry, for all my bacon friends out there, kind of tripping all over that. It's impossible for me to be the best version of me without the Lord being on the throne of my heart, 
hands down. I can't do it. Can't do it in my own strength. So I assume now that you're all probably asking yourself, how do we successfully assimilate these challenges? Right? How do we implement these truths of Scripture into our lives? Matthew 7, 24 through 7. Anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on the bedrock. But anyone who hears my teachings and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds his house on the sand, When the rains and floods came and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Now notice at the end it says mighty crash. That means it's going to be loud. People are going to hear it. Others are going to see it. I don't want that to happen. I want to pursue God. I don't want my house to crash. James 1, 22 through 25. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're fooling yourselves. For if you only listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. But look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free. That is Jesus. And if you do what it says, don't forget what you heard and God will bless you for doing it. We must be doers of the word. I say that again. We must be. Say Everybody say that with me. We must be doers of the word. So now, I really want to commend the women of our church. You guys do a fantastic job of connecting and plowing the hard ground of the emotional landscape. You guys are resilient when adversity comes. You actively pursue growth and don't shriek back. So thank you, women, for blazing the trail. Now, my wife, Shelly, graciously submits to my headship of our family, but I must say... The revelations and freedoms she has embraced haven't come easy. She's held nothing back in claiming what the Lord has for her. I mean, she presses in and goes for it. She is absolutely just, you can't hold her back. In fact, she's held nothing back in claiming what the Lord has for her. She's went for it with all that she has. Now, me, on the other hand, I'm back here lollygagging, woo, you know, Playing catch-up most of the time. You know, I eventually get it, but, but pride and stupidity need to be crucified daily in my life. Don't say you Shelly. I can already hear it. It's not a big deal. Now, I know some of you are, do a much better job of this, but let's face it. Most of us men struggle in this area. Am I right? It's 
trying to stomp on some toes right now. So for the past year, the Lord has been dealing with me about starting up a men's group. I didn't know what it was going to look like at first, but I knew it was important. Our men need to be challenged to connect with one another and pursue God's will for them. There is currently an assault on godly men in our nation right now. If you watch anything on mainstream media, it appears that we are a dying breed. It's time for us to step up and push back the gates of hell and grab a hold of the fatherly mantle the Lord has bestowed on us. Amen? Amen. Proverbs 27 and 17. As iron sharpens iron, so we sharpen each other. We need each other, for sure. So Tony and I are starting up a men's group with expectation and determination. One of the main purposes of this group is to make sure we have a a good foundation in place. Then build and grow. All right, so our group goals. The first goal is to have a genuine, healthy, thriving relationship with a father. Now, I did something really cool here, and I'm going to ask the men to... to, um, if you're here with your wives, I want you to look at your wife if she's here with you, and I want you to say this to her earnestly. Anybody, any man that's not here with their wife, they can just say it to God. But what I did was I took 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7, and I purposely replaced the word love with godly man. And you can actually do this with godly woman as well. So I'm going to go ahead and read this right now. We'll all just read this together. Read along with me. A godly man is patient and kind. A godly man is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. A godly man does not demand his own way. A godly man is not irritable and keeps no record of being wronged. A godly man does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. A godly man never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Now, isn't that really powerful when you insert a godly man into that scripture? I mean, it's talking about what we should be. We should be love. So some other wisdom that I... um, wrote down as well, a godly man is deeply connected to the Father. A godly man is emotionally healthy. A godly man is a giving man. A godly man is honest. A godly man helps those in need. And a godly man is a good listener. Tony, wherever you're at. So number two, discipleship and multiply. We grow to give. As important as it is to be discipled, we, we also must be discipling others. Discipleship, to me, this is my opinion, discipleship is most productive when it's one-on-one and it's relational. We all agree that we worship a papa of the impossible, right? He's God of the impossible. Well, let me tell you what's impossible for us. 
Growth is a lifelong process that's never finished. After we receive a breakthrough and we accept the new truth, it is at that very moment that we have grown and then the life application comes, right? This is received through revelation and repentance. Let me tell you, it's an amazing step when you embrace freedom in an area that you've struggled in, right? We've all experienced that, haven't we? But there's so much more that the Father has for us. We're just scratching the surface and living off of breadcrumbs. This is, I'm going to repeat this too. I'm going to say this once and then repeat it again. It is impossible to think that we can put a limit on what is limitless from the Father. It is impossible to think that we can put a limit on what is limitless from the Father. Amen? All right. Romans 12 and 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So, guys, Tony and I are inviting you to go on a journey. This is all the guys here in this congregation and all the guys online that are listening. A journey to experience freedom and growth. A journey to experience godly fellowship. A journey to having a deep and close walk with our Heavenly Father. A journey of making disciples. A journey of bringing Jesus to our family, to our friends, to our neighbors, and to our community. We need this. Newcastle needs this. And God wants this. I've been praying for the men of New Covenant to respond to this invitation from the Lord to passionately pursue the calling of the Lord on our lives. It is time to take our place as the men of God we are called to be. All hands on deck. Amen? That's it. Amen. So it's my understanding, uh, not this Saturday, but in two Saturdays, we are, you're, you're starting on December 2nd, right? Yes. And so I want to encourage uh, women, encourage your men, and men, be encouraged. If you guys want to, can put the slide up for the men's group, that would but, be great. Uh, I want to encourage you to sign up. Uh, they are going to be, Tony's going to be at the Welcome Center after service, if you want to sign up for this group uh, here, you're having biscuits and gravy uh, on December 2nd, and so I think they're going to feed well and feed spirit well. So I, I don't know about you, but as a man, the more I get connected with others, the better I grow. I do not grow well in isolation. How about you guys? The women are already doing it on Wednesday night. If you're not plugged in, even as a woman, there's a group on Wednesday nights that are meeting here at church at 6.30 as well. Women are way ahead of us. Good job, girls. And that's been going really, really well. But this is another opportunity to get the men in this house growing 
And uh, this is part of the all hands on deck and getting people involved. So really want to encourage you to do that. So why don't you stand up with me? We're going to close the service in prayer. There's a couple things I want to remind you as you get ready to walk out the door. Uh, number one is uh, we have the new reading plan, and it's on that table or at the Welcome Center. Grab one of those as you're going. Jeff Hughes did a great job of putting us together a reading plan for the church each week. We'll be on a, uh, the book of Luke, and so grab that on your way out. Also, uh, go to the Welcome Center if you haven't get, gotten uh, your Christmas ticket. We're going to have a great time. That's coming up in uh, about two weeks as well, two and a half weeks, three weeks, uh, December 9th. And uh, grab that on your way out as well and sign up for the Christmas party. So, Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, God, for today. God, I thank you that you're moving on hearts, uh, putting us in place. And God, I do thank you for the men in this house. I thank you, God, for Tony and Chris who feel this burden to help other men grow in their walk with you. And Father, we realize that our families need us as men healthy. Our employers need us healthy as men. But Father, this city needs us healthy as men as well. And so God, I thank you that you are growing us and maturing us. And I just pray, God, that you would put on each man's heart, God, a yes in their hearts. And, Lord, we just thank you for that. And so, Lord, we just surrender to you today. And, God, as we move into Thanksgiving, God, this week, God, I pray for families as they come together, God, that you would bless them. Father, I know that there are times where it can be stressful when you're with family that you're not with a lot. And I pray, God, that our people would be wonderful testimonies of your goodness and your love that we would be godly men and women who love well, who are patient, who are giving, who keep no record of wrong, and that, God, we would live out 1 Corinthians chapter 4 as a people who represent you. We love you and we give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said amen. amen. God bless you and have a great day.